0: Welcome to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. Our goal is to help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us. Now, let's join our team as we get to follow up, break down, and gain deeper insight into this week's message.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. I am Justin Oswald, the Executive Pastor of Transformation Church. Uh, with me again today is uh, the Lead Pastor of TC, Brad Livingston.
2: What's up guys? Good to be back. Another week, another sermon, another follow-up podcast. And we are bringing you Part 4 of our Authentic Flourishing Series. Yep. And I'll tell you what, Justin, I've been authentically flourishing with this extra hour of sleep lately. I don't know about you. like. Well,
1: it was only <laughs> extra one time.
2: Well, true. But I find myself I, I think because it's getting dark so early yeah. that I'm come like nine thirty, I feel like it's one AM and I'm like ready to crash. Surely that will not last forever. But you uh, know,
1: yeah, that that hour makes a difference. I just I don't I don't know that I care. It gets darker like if it always got dark at six, right. I don't know that I would care. I just hate that it changes. Like I think daylight savings time is stupid. It's yeah, just it's another thing that like why happens. is that not on the ballot? Listen, you know what I'm saying?
2: Listen, if somebody will bring some clarity on whether I'm inserting the chip or swiping the card and we'll make a decision on daylight saving time, I'll vote for them. I don't care who they are. Yeah.
1: And by the time y'all are <laughs> listening to this, we will already know the election results. Most likely we're recording this on election day. On
2: election day. It's a big deal. Everyone's voting. It's a big deal for some people. Some of us do it because we know we should, but we just don't really. Uh, well, they're all. Never mind.
1: Yeah. I'm, That's a different yeah.
2: – that that would be a real talk conversation. Real talk conversation.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is uh, – but, yes, I think daylight savings time is uh, stupid, and I look forward to the candidate who abolishes that, um, along with the person who makes it mandatory that we have to retake our driver's test every five years. I'm voting for that guy. Voting <laughs> for that guy. <laughs> or girl. Or uh, – Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a guy used to be a girl uh, whatever what? <laughs> just kidding <laughs> you know we're getting it's a little, our country's getting a little more liberal and uh, yeah. you know so i mean i'd vote for him i'm not gonna say no i'd vote for him vote or for her, him or her or, okay. whatever pronoun they wish <laughs> that's a some
2: ben, Sh- ben shapiro yeah. it's like you can pick what you want to be called it doesn't mean i'm calling you that
1: yeah, I mean, just make sure you put your pronouns on your name tag or something, on your lower third on for whatever TV. whatever it may be that I need, day. I need to know.
2: Right, for whatever it may be that if
1: day. You're gonna If you're going to want to not be offended by the pronoun I choose to call you, I need to know what pro- what pronoun you need.
2: And you can't change
1: it. Don't be changing it every other day. Listen, if you're going to request for me to call a specific pronoun, I can request a specific title. <laughs> That's all I'm saying.
2: <laughs> and what would your title be? Because I know you've already thought through this.
1: Well... You know, I guess it depends on the circumstance. <laughs> it would have something in it along the lines of royalness, your highness, you know, grand, grand potentate. I don't want to say grand potentate because of the Shriners and stuff, because <laughs> we don't want to acknowledge them and their uh, nonsense. Hmm. But, but, yeah, I mean, I just feel like, you know, if, if he, yeah why are we talking about this i don't know
2: i feel like a, as we get ready to get into what we're actually supposed to be talking about i do feel like that my my name would start with like funk master and then oh. whatever like something some something that creates like a level of honor like the master but it's just a like
1: i just want to be known groove. by one name like share or prince you know no last name. What's Prince's last name? Do you know? I don't, I don't even know that Prince's first name is Prince. Well, you, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's no. also not only known it's, by Prince, he's known no. by a symbol. His, his last
2: name is Prince, and his first name is the artist, formerly known as. Oh, yeah. That's it.
1: But even that, he's known with a symbol. Yeah. You know? Like, how would you like to be known by a symbol? I mean, we're going back to, like, cave drawings now. Okay. <laughs> Calligraphy. There are some people that are known as symbols, <laughs> if you know what I mean. But- oh, God. Anyways. What are we talking about?
2: All that to say, we are we finished our fourth part of Authentic Flourishing and we went from Time Change to Prince. So that was quite the rabbit trail over the last 4 minutes, but mm. all that to say, <laughs> we are uh part 4 of the Authentic Flourishing series yes. and um different it was a different day. It was a uh, Sunday. Sunday was really really good. You know, we've had um, you know, just a great influx of new families, new people, live change. We've been bad, you know, we got to baptize all those people last week. And, um, so yeah, it's just been great, man. It's been, it's there been, has, uh, there been has been some
1: it. new people, um, that I had not seen before that I got to meet.
2: Yeah. That's it's, it's been rocking. So there,
1: there's a lady that came to our church Sunday and I think, I think her name, you know, I'm so bad with names when I first meet people, but I think it's Tiffany She came to growth track, right? And. Um, after I was talking to her, I was like, you know, how do you, you know, because after Grow check, sometimes at Grow Track, I don't know just because they're at Grow check if that was like their first time at Growth check or their first Sunday. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, and it was both for her. So I was like, oh, well, how'd you hear about us? You know, it was our first day at our church. How'd you hear about us? How'd you find us? You know, they brought you here. And she's like, oh my God, funny story. Um, and what's funny is after she started telling the story, I was like, did you message our us on the website? She was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, I saw that. I'm the one that responded. She, um, she just moved here Wow! and then she, uh, she was praying for a church and then like she got online and our church popped up and she started looking and she like just knew and then like she felt like the, the the Lord was out of all the church she was looking at that the Lord was kind of drawing her to this one. She liked, you know, checked out our website and what we were about and all that. And then I guess she had a friend that was looking for her also just kind of. And so her friend sends her a text with a screenshot. It's like, "Hey, you should try this church out." And it was the same one. So oh, she wow. was like, "Oh, that's cool." So then she messaged us on the website. And she was like, "I'm not even in town yet, but um, I'm moving, and I'm gonna visit. And I feel like the Lord's already calling me to the church." And
2: oh yeah, that was last week, right? That, like, it, no. that happened. The email stuff didn't that happen like a few days before? Like that was oh, like, at least a, I, I a think week, maybe right? like two weeks ago. Okay, that's somewhere. what I thought. Yeah, I remember the conversation. So that's cool. Yeah. No, I mean, we've, we've been having just this great influx of new people and, and, um, and dealing it with the authentic flourishing, uh, series. It's been super helpful because we've been helping people navigate, uh, what you gain when you give it all up. I mean, essentially that's been the, the whole idea of authentic flesh, when you give it, when you give your whole life to God, when you give him your everything, sure, your finances, your tithes and your offerings. Sure. But man, so much more than that. When you give him your life, you give him the things that matter most in your life. Now he's actually able to do something with them uh, that required your surrender to start with. Um, And so we see ourselves like, you know, on Sunday um, kind of, kind of bringing the whole series to a close uh with this with this uh sermon it was much more of a preaching tile style sermon than yeah than we you know than i usually get into um you know pastor's the bulldog you know he's the the bite down hold on you know type of preacher and i can be um but i'm typically you know my style is a bit more relaxed you know bit more comic relief and injected and all that stuff, but um that's just just how we roll to sip, you know let's see J- Justin because the we haven't had a chance to experience that yet. are you more of a relaxed
1: type speaker? <sighs> yeah, I think so um I think just part of my personality, you know, I tend to uh I tend to inject more humor than I plan and it works out good right <laughs> like that because that could work out kind of bad right, right, right um you know it's one of those things where like in the moment you say something funny which i i like because i like to be funny and i like when people laugh and i like to laugh on those things but um yeah i tend to be more more relaxed probably more i would say probably more teachy than pre- you know some preachers are more yeah. preachers some preachers are more teacher yeah. some can do both yeah um i think it just I I think sometimes a situation situation or the, or the content dictates what should be happening. Um, but I, I think I have a bit, I, I think I have a bit of a teaching gift. I just kind of wish I didn't, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, like that's, um, I, I have no desire to be like a teacher, but, but like growth track is the perfect example. I really enjoy teaching our growth track class on Sundays. Like I like th- I like it, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's a, more of a, obviously a smaller group, so there's interaction. Where if you were on a stage, like it, there's not really the interaction. There, right, but, right, right. But um, but yeah, I'd say more more relaxed. Cool. Okay. Well, yeah, we uh we
2: we got into this part four, and it was called "What's in Your Box."
1: What's in your box?
2: And I've already had multiple <laughs> I know. people. I've it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> already had multiple people mentioned to me the same thing that Justin mentioned to me earlier
1: which was what's the movie 7 the movie 7 <laughs> what's in the box uh, we're going to add that in john yeah. right here what's in the box okay. so yeah it's uh it's,
2: it's uh it's been good so i have multiple which, people say which? man you really could have played that, you know, whatever. Yeah,
1: it really wouldn't have been appropriate <laughs> based all. on what was in that box At in the movie. All. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but nonetheless, great movie. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. no, yeah, um, no, not, not, not. But that's a that's a that's that. a that's a line. You know, that's just, um infamous line out of that movie. What's in the box? What's in the Who's box? Who's that? Brad Pitt, right?
2: Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman.
1: Yeah. Oh, Morgan. You know, my dad played poker one time with Morgan Freeman really? at this table. Yes.
2: I feel like he would be the most chill poker player.
1: Probably, I mean surely.
2: He's the most chill everything yeah. else. So. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: um, man, he needs to be on our podcast with that voice of his. Yeah. He needs to do our intro, yeah. our
2: introduction. So tell your dad to call him cuz he sat at a poker <laughs> yeah. table with him once. Yeah, 10 years ago whatever. So this past Sunday we got into this uh this idea of what's in your box and it was stemming off of the week prior. Um uh, so as we were kind of getting into it, I, I, I kind of opened with a story talking about, uh, Ashley and, and, you know, whenever we were getting ready to get engaged, um, and all that, you know, there's this thing where you go to pick out the ring, but you're not really picking out the ring. You're just picking up the
1: ring. Um, Like, they've pretty much already picked it out. They've
2: picked it out. You, like, I still know what she, like, the list of the things she wanted in that ring. You know, she won.
1: I I think that's good because there's way too many options if you had to rely on your own just intuition.
2: Yeah. There's, you can, when you're buying a ring for a female, it can be one of two things. It either needs to be what she picked out or so big that what she picked out doesn't matter. So if you have like a five carat stone on there, like whatever she picked out doesn't matter. Yeah, for five right. Carat. You're dropping cheddar. Yeah. But <laughs> all that to say is uh, kind of talked about that and this idea that, you know, she had really built up the anticipation and, and all this stuff around the event. Uh, you know, how's he going to propose? Who's going to be there? Um, you know, but at, at the end of the day, you know, what mattered, what was, was what was inside the box. Not all the things that were around us, um, and so we we kind of that kind of helped drive the conversation for uh, for the sermon Sunday Ephesians three twenty now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to His power this work of the Psalm thirty five twenty seven let them shout for joy be glad let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of His servant the scriptures we've already used a number of times uh, throughout the series those are kind of the two theme verses for. Uh, this series. But then we get into John 12, 1 through 8, and that's where we did work. Uh, that's really what we referenced the whole time. And this story is the same story that we looked at last week. So if you were with us last week, or if you've already listened to that podcast, and you know, you, you've, you're you've you familiar with uh, the story, but for the sake of those, maybe you haven't, or maybe this is you did, you missed last week, uh, we're going to read through this John 12, 1 through 8 and then uh, get into what we talked about on Sunday. So, Justin, uh, why don't you do that?
1: Yeah, six days before the Passover feast, Jesus went to Bethany where Lazarus lived. Lazarus is the man Jesus raised from the dead. Uh, Verse 2, there they had a dinner for Jesus. Martha served the food, and Lazarus was one of the people eating with Jesus. Verse 3, Mary brought in a pint of very expensive perfume made from pure nard. She poured the perfume on Jesus' feet, and then she wiped his feet with her hair and the sweet smell of the perfume filled the house. Keep going. Four, Judas Iscariot, one of Jesus' followers, who would later turn against him, was there. Judas said, this perfume was worth an entire year's wages. Why wasn't it sold and the money given to the poor? But Judas did not really care about the poor. He said this because he was a thief. He was the one who kept the money box, and he often stole from it. Verse 7, Jesus answered, leave her alone. It was right for her to save the perfume for today, the day for me to be prepared for burial. You will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me.
2: So uh, we see here in this section of the of the text and, and in this story, you know, there's five people in the room that we're aware of, right? Which is Martha, Lazarus, Mary, Judas, and Jesus. And so in in this story, we have You know, all the different people who are kind of doing what they do. Um, Martha is serving the food. So if you read a lot of the stories that Martha's involved in, she's always the person. She's Miss Hospitality. She's always serving the food. She's always making sure that everyone has what they need, particularly Jesus. Um, Lazarus uh, is chilling, raised from the dead, you know, and so he's there. And so then we have obviously Jesus. So there's two people left, which is Judas and Mary. And the conversation we had on Sunday and the way we approached this was that two people came into the room with a box. Uh, and, you know, Mary had uh, her box or her perfume and Judas had the money box. And the two boxes kind of represented their hearts where they were. You know, Judas with a heart of greed and Mary with a heart of gratitude. Uh, And so what we do with our box and how we approach Jesus with our box is evident of our heart. And how Jesus responds to us uh, in regards to living a flourishing life is dependent on how we approach him with what we have. And so we highlighted this idea that what we don't see in verses 1 through 8, what's not communicated very well, is that, you know, that Mary was Lazarus' sister. So when she's approaching Jesus, she's coming in from a p- completely different perspective. Uh, and so what we said is we talked about how on, on Sunday we talked about how all of us have a box. All of us have a life. And in our life, we have, we have things um, that we hold near to us and we hold dear to us. We all have a box, and in that box is, you know, the the closest things that we have, what we hold on tightly to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, on down the list. But uh, in each box, or what makes up each box, is three very important things, and that's kind of what we hit on Sunday, is these three uh, very significant things. So everyone's box could have different things in it, but they all represent three things, and we wanted to break those down Sunday so we can show how what you do with your box influences how you live an authentically flourishing life.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so the first one, Justin value, the first one is value. So, and, and in case you haven't picked up on this by now, the, your box is a metaphor. It's an analogy. Um, you know, what is in your box? So you can replace the word box with a life. Like what is in your life that is valuable? What is what is in your life that you hold near and dear? Uh, what is in your life that uh, is, is so important to you? And so with Mary, we see that Mary's box had such a high value uh, that even Judas was offended that she, quote unquote, wasted it on Jesus, you know? Um, I can't believe that you would waste something that is so valuable. But at the same time, like she had to figure out some way to show Jesus her gratitude. Mm -hmm. Hey, Hey, he raised her brother from the dead. Like he was gone and Jesus raised her from the dead. And so she's not just doing this for Jesus just because he's Jesus. In her heart, she's saying, I've got to show some semblance. I've got to show some form of gratitude. You know, I've got I need to do something. I want to do something to show Jesus what he means to me and what the gift that he gave me means to me. And so the value of her gift showed her gratefulness in the life of her brother, and so she's saying, "Listen, I, I'm so I'm so grateful." And so the question for us is, and you know, bringing this story to to the box that we all have or the life that we all have, is what are we doing with our box or quote our life that is telling or showing Jesus our gratitude or our greed on how we feel about what we have? Yeah, you know, so what, you know, you have this life, you have this uh, abundance, you have, whether it's your finances, whether it's your kids, whether it's the blessings that you have, what, what, what is it in your life that you're so, so either so grateful to Jesus that you have it, that you can't wait to give it back to him, or that you're so consumed by the idea that you have it, that you're going to be so greedy that you wouldn't possibly let it go. And for many, and kind of what we talked about is, is this idea, this urgency that whether it's our life, whether it's our finances, whatever it is, whatever, whatever's in our box, essentially whatever's in our box, are we, would we be willing to let them go so that we could see God do more with it than we could do with it ourselves? And so for example, uh, you know, we talked and and we kind of took a slant towards almost like evangelism in the sermon talking about how when we can give up part of our life to see other people's lives improved on and enhanced and to take the hope of the gospel to them if we can give up part of our life to see someone else's life impacted that is the way we can show jesus gratitude Mm -hmm. Um, and we said for many the comfort of being alive is blinding us to the urgency to seeing the dead raised like judas judas was so comfortable with his box he didn't see the value in celebrating what Jesus did in Lazarus' life. Right. And for some of us, man, like how many of us are so comfortable where we are that we're not willing to give up part of what we have to be thankful for what Jesus has done in our life? Yeah. Because I think the greatest way we can, the greatest (laughs) example we have to give Jesus uh, of how grateful we are for what he's done in our life is to help make sure it happens in someone else's life. So listeners out there in podcast land, Those of you that are grateful for what Jesus has done in your life, the best way to say thank you is to make sure that it happens in someone else's. But how many of us are so consumed with our own life, circumstances, surroundings, money, jobs, kids, school, education, accomplishments, tasks, trips to Disney World, whatever. All that. (laughs) Like how many of us are so consumed by all of those things That we're kind of like, you know, God, when I have time or when I have a little extra, you know, I might do something with it to make an impact in someone's life. But otherwise, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. And you know who else had that attitude? Judas. Judas. And there's, I think there's a spirit of Judas in all of us that we have to kill. Uh, Because the Bible, man, you know, like we talk about it a lot. You know, the gospel wasn't come and see; it's go and tell. Which is, there's a mandate on all of us. You talk about that quite a bit. I mean, that's yeah. kind of been your, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of been your thing. You know, uh,
1: yeah, because it's like we we miss it in our in the west Western Church. I mean, th- we talk about this on this podcast a lot, just because it's so applicable to so many things. But yeah, it's like how many how many churches? You know, it's just them, right. You know, every Sunday. <laughs> like it's and that's great that like it's great that they gather and assemble, you know, but Yeah. No one's got saved in years and they got money in the bank and everything's paid for, but there's no outreach, there's no evangelism, there's no ministry, there's no mission maybe maybe they send some money to missionaries that are overseas, you know, but you know, they don't do anything in their backyard. You know what I'm saying? Like that kind yeah. of thing. It's like you know, you know like it's missional just, communities it's like, or whatever. It's like contentment. Right, You know, I'm content with God saving me and what we do and how we, you know, it, it goes back. Like we see it in churches, you know, people have a hard time with change. Right. You know, the problem is when you reach unchurched and unsaved people, you're forced to change things that you don't like. And so many churches, they value their preference over that. And it's like,
2: you know. Probably the preference over the person.
1: Pre- yeah. And, and that's, yeah. and I, and I think like, I, I get it. Like I I spoke recently at the church of a friend of mine. Um, I was by far the youngest person in the room, by a few decades. decades. <laughs> yeah. Um, sweet, sweet people, right? And great people, right, right, right. love Jesus. No question that they love Jesus. You know what I mean? Right. And I was talking to this lady before the service, like the lady um, that was like. My handler, while I was there, you know, that was the one I was supposed to meet up with and give me all the details and all those things, and um, just super nice lady, like your grandma. I mean, Grams, yeah. yeah. (laughs) And we just kind of talking, and you know, I use opportunities like that to kind of show people like that it's that it is some somewhat changing, and there's like people ask about like. Like, well, tell me about your church. And I use that as an opportunity to talk about how like things that we do as a church that reach people, young people, you know, because surely I'm talking to that lady and she's got grandkids and things like that, that she'd probably love to see in church that maybe aren't and those type of things. So anyways, she just made the comment, you know, she was like, and I don't remember exactly what was said, but she basically said, um, I love our little church. I don't want it to grow Cause I like the fa—I like how close we all are, and what she was saying is like we're a tight knit family, and I think that is great. Right. But because she values that so much, she doesn't even. And her—if it was up to her, the church wouldn't even grow. Like, well, I understand what she was saying. Yeah, it, I don't think it's the, still wrong. I don't think whatever. the heart behind it was to be wrong. You right, know? right, right, right. But I, because, you know, what she—what <laughs> I almost told her was, like, yeah, like you love your small group. Like we have that too. <laughs> like right, We have small right. groups, you we know, just meet, those right. people meet on Tuesday. <laughs> right, or right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, but what else? To, but she she said, we, I, I just don't want us to grow. I, I love our, our, I love our family. Our, you know, and it's like, that's not really how the gospel, like right. the, right. like the, the church in <laughs> the church and acts grew really fast. Right. Like,
2: and as long as heaven and hell are realities, yeah. our churches have to grow. Like, you know,
1: and, and, I mean, so what does that say about a church that isn't growing yeah that's a that's a question you know it, it, i don't know and like i said i'm not here to bash that church or they, even that woman because right, they right, were right. i knew what she was saying because in the context of everybody was coming she was introducing me to all the people everybody was so nice and, sure and uh but but i but i think that's just she was almost i think just blinded by the contentment yeah i love what we do heaven forbid we change it and put, uh, do something other than a hymnal that's out of the hymnal book that we did and all those things, um, you know, and, and we even have to, we have to do that. Right. Even in our, you know, non-traditional service at some point, non-traditional becomes tradition. Right. You know, exactly. and, and even, even us, you know, like we talk about millennials cause me and you are millennials and reaching millennials is important to us, but there's a generation behind them right, that exactly. we have to reach as well, you know? So it's, um. Yeah,
2: yeah, because I I, yeah, because I think the it's this it's this idea that my comfort is more important than someone else's life, and it's it's not our intention or other people's intention to communicate that, but inevitably you're going. Do you even have any unsafe friends? Like,
1: I think you know, we all should as Christians.
2: Oh, I I believe we yeah. should. I don't think a lot of people do. No, no. You know, and but, I
1: yeah. and I get it. That's the hard part. That's why like you have to battle the contentment because i think that's a constant battle like i mean when i got saved and started going to church like i started i just dove in right i was hanging out with those people like every time we did something at the church i was there serving away from church started hanging out with them and it's like before you know it because there's a life change like this is what i do but like you have to be reproducing that and you just have to be intentional yeah, I just think so many times people people just get um. I must have, I think it's fear? I think it's a lot of it's fear. Yeah. Um. Especially,
2: I can see it for our older demographic. You know, it's like man, I don't. You know, the the whole world around me is changing. I don't want this thing in my life to change. Yeah. You know to try to hold on to it. The problem yeah. that I think we run into with that mentality and in plenty of other mentalities. So we don't have to soapbox that there's so many other yeah. things that even young people do in the church, you know, so it's not even an age, it's not even a demographic thing. It's not a millennials versus the world thing. It's just, it's just, I believe there are Christian circles who have an unhealthy perspective on what our job is. All that to say, I think I, the word Christian literally means little Christ to be Christ like. Wherever Jesus put his foot, lives were changed. Yet, in one of the largest Pentecostal organizations in our country, the majority of those churches didn't see one new convert last year. Like, so, don't tell me this room is full of God-fearing, Christ-centered Christians. It might be full of religious people and Christ is at the center of their religion, but let's like for those of for those of I'm gonna say us, but for those for genuine Christ followers, there should be evident life change constantly around you. I you shouldn't have to go, man. What, who was the last person that? was with us and their life got transformed, you know, like we shouldn't have to sit down and try to figure those things out. It should be happening so much. It's like, oh yeah, that person and that person and that person, because that's what it was like when Jesus walked around, when he took the disciples somewhere, it was constant. People's lives are being changed. And, you know, I think we've, I think we've gone from, you know, let's create Christ followers to let's create church attenders. And that's not, What we were called to do,
1: (laughs) nah, and it's just not gonna work with the way with the way things are changing. You know, with with how our post Christian consumeristic society is, whether that's good or bad is irrelevant. It's here. It it, it's happening. Right. You know, so you know, people aren't gonna go to church, and just even the idea of like you know in the late nineties, whatever it was, when the idea of like quote unquote cool church where the lighting and all that stuff was important in that, that culture even that's going away like yeah you know you know how many you know how many and that's that's the thing so many churches even believe well if we put a haze machine and some lights we'll attract young people when that's not the case you know how many young people are attending like churches that have like a liturgy and like that kind of thing uh, they want well, authentic they, faith. they just want authentic authenticity yeah. yeah whether whether that comes from a traditional standpoint with you know or or, or what i you know, I mean, like even like Tim Keller's church in New York. You know, like full of millennials, man. Yeah, packed. And then in that same city, you have like Hillsong New York City, which is way different, but full of young people too. So it's like, yeah, they're both good. They're both necessary. You right. know, like where you fall theologically, I know a lot of people don't agree with which, it, it, to me, at this point, I don't say it's irrelevant. I think it's relevant, but I think they're both. I think they're both doing something. Yeah, you know, but the the idea of just church attendance yeah just don't give me I can, go- I can go all day on that <laughs>
2: Yeah, it, and it is because it's, and it's one of those things where again is God something that we, that we unpack on Sunday morning and then we put back in his box and then we just live our life Monday through Saturday and then we unpack him again for Sunday with our suit and tie metaphorically like you know is it is God something we put on Or have we been resurrected from the dead into new life that is evident by him living through us and us living in him? Like, because that's Christianity, you know, again, referencing the story from last week, you know, like, oh, what you need is church in your life. No, what you need is (laughs) what you need is God in your life, but not just as a present helper, as the one who's in control. You know, and it's even like we talked to even like, even the sermon on Sunday, you know, we, I, I put a small list together that kids, careers, education, businesses, money and things are all blessings that in the hands of people that are living completely surrendered to Jesus are able to see these things flourishing as we sacrifice them by giving them back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So if you want your kids to flourish, then they will flourish in the context of being surrendered to Jesus saying, God, I'm going to do my best to raise them in, in environments. So in the church, in healthy environments, in the home, uh, in relationships and all of this, I'm going to do my best to, to do all of that so that uh, they can be shown and presented and encouraged in this life that shows them what, who Jesus is. Like, in other words, people say, Yeah, you know, we're not going to be, I'll use church as an example. We're not going to be at church on Sunday, or we're going to miss this whole semester of small groups so that we can do this thing with our kid. And I'm like, you need to have that kid in the service. You need to have that kid in your small group. They need to be in your community of faith. I'm so encouraged by some of our young men. I say young men. I'm talking millennials, so between, say, 30 and 35. Adam Simon, Tim Williams, Tremaine Polk, some of these guys who are Jonathan, yeah, John, who who are raising their kids not to just, be, not just to believe what they believe because they believe it, but they're raising them in a community of believers, so that these kids are seeing each other grow and be developed and discipled, and these parents are discipling their children, not force feeding them religion but raising them in authentic faith communities that is already creating an impact in their kids' lives. But then we have some parents in our church and in churches all around us that every opportunity they get to miss the faith community, be that a Sunday morning service or a small group or whatever, they do that because they want to, quote, unquote, spend time with Johnny. And I'm like, you're showing Johnny that when it comes down to it, God is less important than whatever you want. And what you're going to inevitably do is prove to Johnny that God isn't really something he needs. He's just something that's convenient. Mm-hmm. And like, so what we, what we have is our kid and that's kids, kids, careers, education, money, all those areas of our life that are kind of important family, um, all those things. What we do is we sacrifice them. or we, we, if we want them to flourish, we'll sacrifice them and give them back to God and do whatever he asks us to do with them. And in turn, he makes them flourish. Because everything in God's hands flourishes. But when we hold on to them for ourselves, what inevitably happens is they become the isolated affections of our worship. And we end up worshiping the kids, the careers, the education, the money, the family, the things. We end up worshiping those things And we end up losing those things because there's only one place that our worship should be, and that's on God. Yeah. So if you worship God by giving him your life, he can flourish your life. But if you worship the things that God gave you, not only do you lose God, but you end up losing those things too. Mm -hmm. And that was the basic premise of Sunday morning, you know, um, was to communicate that. That if we're not careful, we will love the things given to us by Jesus more than we actually love Jesus. Mm-hmm.
1: So. <laughs> <Ayo>. <laughs> so... What's in the box? What's in the po- <laughs> Go ahead, John. Drop another one.
2: <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. So, it's man it's one of the things where we have to we find ourselves in this idea of value right um because the things that the problem is we have a hard time letting go of the thing they're valuable to us so we don't want to let them go the problem is they can only reach their truest potential of value if we let them go yeah and give them to god you know Um, paradoxal paradox number two number two is glory glory John 12, 25 and 26, just read that for us. Whoever
1: loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me.
2: So the one who serves the, uh, the Lord, who, whoever serves Jesus, God honors that. And so just going right back to what we came out of, so there's value in the box, but there's also glory in the box. What are we worshiping? What does our life worship? What are we holding on to? Because it's one thing to worship the wrong thing, but then there are times where we just hold on to things that we shouldn't be holding on to. And we kind of had uh, Sunday morning, and we pulled some people up on stage. Yep. Um, you were one of them. I was. You held the you you were the selfish one on the. I was. And the analogy on Sunday morning. I was. So tell me kind of what you got out of that analogy, Justin, and just kind of that illustration yeah. in the sermon
1: well i think i think it was helpful to show people you know that it, god gives us something and all the boxes were different you know that was part i think intentional you know the size of the box and all those things and you know it was a it was a blessing and what do you do with it you know or do you do you just hoard it or keep it or afraid to let it go and um yeah you know, i chose to keep mine the two others chose to give back you know and um it's like, you know, what God, what what you do with little, God'll trust you with much. Type is kind of what I was thinking, right. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they got something bigger. And then one one old boy was like, "Nah, I'm I'm cool with this." And <laughs> then the 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 Ashley kept going, and she ended up with like the most blessing. Yeah, you know, Cause she was willing to trust God. She understood that what she did have didn't come from her anyways; came from him. So give it back to him, you know, yeah. and, and see what he does, you know? Um, but it's, uh, you know, I equated it, like I said, I just, I thought of it from the, what we do with, with little, he'll trust us with much type thing. You yeah. Know? Um, and it's like hoarding and all that just,
2: yeah. You
0: know, well, and that's,
1: it. he didn't necessarily honor that. Not that you should necessarily be stupid, you know? Yeah, of course. You, you know,
2: well, that's what I made it a point. So I'm not telling anyone to empty their bank account out today during ties and offerings. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, that ain't, that's not what I'm talking about.
1: Well, it's so hard to preach that yeah i mean because i think it's a duty it's the duty of the church to figure out how to teach on generosity and even like biblical tithing and giving you know but it's so hard mm-hmm. in a church like ours when you where we have unsaved people coming in every week that you know part of what you what you know's in their head before they get there is are they going to ask me for money you know right, and they right, show up right. hadn't been a church in years if ever And they show up and we're talking about quote unquote generosity which if you're anybody like if you're any type of cynical or skeptic you're like well they're talking about generosity but they're talking it's like about it's, money. it's veiled you know yeah. they, they really are talking about money right you know or he's using this analogy about a box when he's really talking about money you know it's right like, and obviously that's a uh, that can happen. I don't think that means you don't ever teach about it. You know, preach about it. Right. Um, but ultimately, it's not about money. I mean, obviously, money is involved, but it's not. It's not just about money.
2: Well, here's the way: it's only about money because society has built the, your ability to flourish in some areas in your life around it. Yeah. For example, uh, it was not about money in the Old Testament. You know, it was more about livestock and health you know in and, and maybe even land acquisition to some ex- it was it wasn't about gold and silver right. as much as it was about having the things that you need to live as as flourishing of a life or blessed of a life as possible you know it's only money because we we have made money a, a an idol of our worship therefore god is saying sacrifice all the idols and that inevitably at some point does mean money so, yeah, when we find ourselves in those in those situations where, you know, just like we did with, with you guys, you know, where, you, you know, you're holding the box and, and when you give what you've got, God gives you more back, you know? Um, and even again, like, because it's, we're talking about a complete life, like, take the money part out of the equation. Like, you know, like, if you hold on to your kids and you don't surrender them to the Lord, you know, when I say surrender, like... To, to sit down and say, you know what? I'm going to parent them and God, I'm going to let you be God. I'm not going to try to make their decisions for them. I'll encourage them. I'll coach them. I'll parent them, um, you know, but I'm going to, I'm going to lead them closer to you, you know? Um, and as we do those things, we find ourselves uh, becoming better parents for them because we're leading them closer to the Lord. So your box can be anything. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's not money. I know plenty of people. The money's not an issue for them. They have enough of it to live, but they don't worship it. And so when you're like, hey, you know, we're going to take a tithes and offerings, they're like, yeah, cool. It doesn't bother. Like, I, the thought never goes through their mind, you know, whereas it does for some people. So.
1: Yeah. I, I think most people don't fall in that category. Yeah. You know, and it's so, like, it's like, it's a, you know, we, I know we talked about Dave Ramsey on long ago. Yeah. On here. It's like, it doesn't matter the income level. So many people have, like, some people make six figures, six figure households and they're still strapped. Strapped from you know, paying their bills or just, you know, their income went up, but so did their, their debt obligations. But it's like, yeah, and, and then, and then that's the excuse though. It's like, well, I can't, I can't give more. And that's the problem. Like sometimes even people, they hear the messages, but they, they actually can't when they could. But it's like, that's why it's like, that's why you have to trust God. Cause what you've done isn't working. Right. Exactly. Like, so try a different plan. You know, see what happens when you give to God right. first, right. cheerfully, and all those things. Sure, um, because most people have proven when their income they get raises, income goes up, but so does the spending. Yep, exactly. You know, or I earned this; I worked hard for this bonus. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go treat myself, right. and that's cool. Like sometimes, like. I do that too, right, but I still give as well. You know? right, right I don't right. just cheat exactly. myself altogether.
2: right No, hundred percent and that's why I say it's it's important that you that we make note of you know of that type of stuff because it's so valid to to what we're communicating um, because there's like're we, you're gonna worship something in your life. Yeah. And I think sometimes the affections or the attention that your worship goes to can change from here and there, but you're, you're going to give glory to something. And if you give glory to, if what's in your box um, is your kids and your money and your education and your car and your whatever, uh, then the glory that you have that should be put on Jesus for what he's done in your life, just like Mary put it on Jesus for what he did in regards to raising her brother from the dead if you have it in the wrong place, you're going to worship the wrong thing, you know? And so there has to be glory. But then there's number three, which is- Purpose. Purpose. And what's the purpose of our box? Well, the purpose of our box, also known as our life, uh, the purpose of the things that God has given us, the purpose of our you know, our finances and the things and, and the education and the jobs, um, the purpose of all of that is to to do what the Lord commands us to do. In other words, he's given you the finances so that you can take those finances and do what he's commanded us to do in our life. He's given you kids. He's given you the job. He's given you the education. He's given you the car. He's given you all those things so that you can do what he's commanded you to do in your life. Psalms 112:1 says, one twelve one says.
1: 112.1. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands.
2: And so the word "bless" there comes from the word "barakah," uh, which means to be kneeling under the open hands of God, as in there's nothing uh, being uh, reserved. It's all, like God is giving you all that He has, this blessing, um, this flourishment into your life. But bless are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in His commands. Well, what is our? What are His commands? Love people, preach the gospel, make disciples, and that's what we talked about Sunday. And so everything you have, everything that God has entrusted you with, everything that he has given to you is so that you can use those things to love people, preach the gospel, make disciples. That's what it boils down to. Like we have the command to love people, preach the gospel, make disciples. Uh, And so if you have kids, you use the relationships that the kids are bringing into your life with their classmates or other moms in the PTA or whatever to love people, preach the gospel and make disciples. Uh, if you have, uh, if you're furthering your education, you're around people that you can love, then you can preach the gospel, the hope that comes through Jesus. You can make disciples out of those who are uh, converted. Like if it's job, if it's the things, if it's, you have a really nice car and because of that, you're around other people who have nice cars. Those are the people you should be loving, (laughs) preaching the gospel, making disciples. It does. It's very simple. When we realize that every person in our life and everywhere we go and the things that we have put us in environments where we're to love people, preach the gospel and make disciples and our desire to surrender everything in our life to Jesus. That's a value will grow in direct proportion to how precious Jesus is to us. So whatever we have in our life, when we surrender those things to Jesus, uh, they'll grow in direct proportion to how precious Jesus is to us. So the more precious Jesus becomes as you surrender those things, the greater value that those things will have in your life. Um, so just like with the story of Ashley, when we got engaged, it all boiled down to one thing. Who was in the room when I proposed didn't matter. Where we were at didn't matter. What mattered was what was in the box.
1: What's in the box?
2: <laughs> we appreciate you guys tuning yeah. in. Justin, somewhere where they can find us. You
1: can find more about Transformation Church online at transformationchurch.com. And on Instagram and Facebook at Transformation Pensacola.
2: So guys, we appreciate you tuning in for the final part of our authentic flourishing series. Next month, we're kicking it off. Church at the Movies. Church at the Movies starts next Sunday. And we'll get next week for the weekly follow podcast, we're breaking down Captain America Civil War. Yeah, so. So,
1: so to everyone out there who may uh, not uh, normally watch our services, we want to invite you to do that on our website. We go live at 9 and 11 a.m. on Sunday, or you can catch it on our website after the fact. We'll post it and all these things. But uh, we're going to be taking biblical truths out of our favorite movies. So we got Captain America. Then yep. the next week, we got uh, Spider Man. Yep. And then we have Black Panther. Yep. And then week four is going to be Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, getting ready for Christmas.
2: That's it. That's um, it. So,
1: yeah, we want to invite you to join us um, 9 or 11 a.m. in person. If you do, if you're in Pensacola and you join us in person, we're going to have popcorn and Coke and all that stuff. Um, yep. Just and, like and, the movies. Service just like the movies. And, um, if not, watch us online or, or catch us later, then uh, we'll be here back back uh, next week for the follow-up podcast to, to talk about them, break them down a little bit.
2: Let's do it, guys. We appreciate you. Make sure you subscribe, like, share, all that good stuff. Karen going give it to you on the way out. Love you. Appreciate it. See ya.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Transformation Church weekly follow-up podcast. It would mean so much to us if you would subscribe, like, and review on iTunes. You get double points if you show us love by sharing it with your friends. Don't forget, you can follow Pastor Justin and Pastor Brad on Instagram and Twitter at Justin Oswald underscore and at Brad Livingston underscore. You can tweet them your questions and comments or email them to us at follow up at transformationchurch.com. For more info on Transformation Church, visit us online at transformationchurch.com and on Instagram and Facebook at Transformation Pensacola. We'll be here next week where we will help create context and drive conversation to learn more of what God has for us.